Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Mikoroi Hawkins. Coming up... It's a real relief. It's been a, a while. It's been too long. Cook Islands Parliament can finally sit following the completion of the last election petition. Also, I speak with the new Minister of Pacific Peoples about her focus just over a month into the role. And later on... The Fiji and Gula are up in Nautoka. Defying all odds, the Fiji and Rua defeat Super Rugby Pacific Champions Crusaders in Lautoka. But before that, a quick update from the Pacific. MI, a small island north of Efati, Vanuatu's main island, remains cut off following double cyclones Judy and Kevin. The country was also hit by a large earthquake around the same time. Lydia Lewis has the latest. Local media reports poor connectivity is hampering aid assessments. There are delays in submitting disaster reports, but images show distressing scenes of homes flattened, animals crushed by fallen trees, and women wading through dirty water as they try to find a clean drinking water source. In East Tana, residents are in desperate need of food and water as acid rain from an active volcano adds an additional challenge. An extraordinary parliamentary session started this morning with ministers discussing the financing of the recovery effort. The World Bank has just announced a 9.5 million US dollar grant for the country. Six months since its general election, the Cook Islands Parliament can finally sit next week after completing its last election petition on Friday. The delay was due to a clause in the Constitution which requires all petition hearings to be completed before Parliament sits. The results of the petition mean Cook Islands Party candidate Sunny Williams will remain as the new Member of Parliament for Titikaveka in Rarotonga. He spoke to RNZ Pacific's Caleb Fotheringham. It's a new ball game for me. I've never been into politics. I've only been a government official or bureaucrat. So politics is, uh, yeah, it's a new game, but a necessary one, I think, for our country, for my district, for my constituency of Titicaba. And is it a relief now having that petition over? No doubt. It's a real relief. It's been uh, a while. It's been too long. A relief for myself, my supporters but also those voters who were petitioned for casting their vote, or some of them had to stand by for the court cases all this time, either to be summoned into court or to ask to give evidence. So for them, too, it's a real relief. Definitely. And do you know when Parliament will start? Well, the Prime Minister did uh, intimate on radio. He's looking to the week of uh, 20th of March maybe the first part of that week. Great. Well, that's really soon. Yeah, yeah well, everybody's been on standby for <laughs> for a while. Uh, he did give some indication to Parliament about a few weeks ago because in the law, it states once a petition is heard, there's no need to wait for an appeal case. As long as the High Court hears it, it's heard, and, and that's it. So there was the expectation once the... This uh, court case was heard in the High Court, regardless of whether there will be an appeal, Parliament can still sit. So they have been uh, preparing for a while now. And all the members of Parliament, especially the ones that reside in Outer Islands, most of them are 
here on Rarotonga or uh, ready to to travel here next week. Yeah, it's been a while. Is everybody pretty eager to get into Parliament? Yes, oh, uh, definitely, because we've got some important bills to pass. The budget uh, process is starting now, and uh, also one of the urgent ones will be built to eliminate the part of the legislation that limits or holds Parliament from sitting until the, the petition is fully heard. So that will be repealed, and by all accounts, all leaders of the other parties agree totally with it. Just over a month into the new job, and New Zealand's Minister for Pacific People says she's working to deliver on the strategic vision set by her predecessor. Barbara Rachel Fatipalepa Edmonds took over from Aupito William Seo in February. She says she's all too aware that she only has a few months to deliver in her role, but is committed to making an impact. I spoke with the minister a month into the job and began by asking, with Pacifica appearing disproportionately in negative statistics across the board in Aotearoa, if she was satisfied in Labour's work to address issues within the community across its two terms to date. I think there is always room for improvement and it doesn't matter what portfolio it is. Um, obviously, my I have a lot of respect for Alpito and for who's the previous minister and what he's done. What he's managed to do is basically get our strategic vision for the different key areas in for Pacific. You know, um, health is currently underway. The Olamanwea as part of the Te Pai Ora Bill, um, with the housing, you know, with education. So all those strategic visions have been set. I'm really cognizant that I've got a sort of six-month runway into this. So my role now is being able to work with officials to action those plans. A big part of that is actually really working across government. So the Ministry of Pacific Peoples obviously influences the policy, but the actual levers are are in Ministry of Education, are in Te Whatu Order. So um, for me... Heaps more work to do. Um, will I say that um, the question of whether you know I'm happy with it? Of course not. And I think that comes down to my upbringing as a Pacific person. That you know, having brought up with a, a mother that passed away suddenly, a father that had to depend on the domestic purposes benefit. Um, that particular, I'm always aware that things happen in life, and they making sure that the government provides those safety nets is really important. So lots of work to do, but I'm really grateful for the work that's been done so far. It's like, and this is for all New Zealanders, not just Pacifica, but it's like we keep getting hit, you know, like COVID, we've got the cyclone, we got election year. Like, what do you even say to Pacifica people, to voters at this time? We're such a strong, resilient people. We've shown that. And for us is to basically, for me, is to assure them that I have their needs in my heart and being able to apply it every day as I conduct my business as a minister. Um, you know, I was in Hawke's Bay meeting with um, community groups down there, churches, key community leaders, our faithfuls, our pastors and ministers, and basically um, having that opportunity to have that really good, raw discussion and for them to feel free to be able to tell me exactly how they feel on particular things as part of the emergency response. But what I was really grateful for was they were already looking ahead. 
thinking, okay, how do we make this better so that next time we can be more resilient or we can respond faster? What the lessons from COVID has been, and actually if I go back even measles, the measles um, epidemic up in South Auckland, what is talking to the evacuation centre lead up there, um, basically both there in, in Auckland and Hawke's Bay, we do have the capability within our Pacific communities. It's about government being able to enable them to do so. We did it well through COVID. We will have a review as to how we went with, the, with this latest disaster. But for us, it's basically being able to lean on those tools we have within our own communities and the government enabling them to be able to take leadership when the next time happens. And I'm basically praying there won't be a next time, but making sure we're ready. Month into the role, do you feel like you've settled in? Uh, four weeks. <laughs> um, I don't think there is ever a time when, as a minister, that um, you cannot not stay on your toes and being really aware of what's coming through the runway and also looking ahead. Um, again, I'm really aware I've got possibly six months with this portfolio, but it's not just Pacific. I mean, I'm really grateful I've got housing, associate housing, associate health, and now associate cyclone recovery. There is, an, in Department of Internal Affairs, there is an interplay right across those different portfolios for Pacific people. So I'm coming to the table with a Pacific lens. Um, what I've been really, really surprised at, though, is that um, my first couple of Cabinet meetings, um, I didn't need to pipe up for Pacific people because actually there are a number of ministers straight away talking about, OK, impact on Māori, impact on Pacific. You know, and that's where my particular view is, is that if we're, we're being forgotten at that table, I will pipe in or I will advocate strongly. But actually, there are a number of advocates around that table for our Pacific people. So four weeks, um, I feel settled in, but at the same time, um, I'm not going to sit on um, my laurels and basically my, I've got a really strong team around me and it's our job to basically action all the different strategies and to work with our officials to make sure that they're actioned. Circling back to my first question again, you, you mentioned always more work to do. What are, of all the things that you mentioned that you're doing, what are the ongoing challenges to getting those levers pulled, as you said? Yeah, I think um, obviously for housing, um, we've got some really a really good program within the ministry around um, financial capability, helping people to actually work out through their finances how they get to deposit. It's very practical stuff, but it's stuff that's actually being successful. So I obviously want to be able to build on that. The Pacific uh, community preparedness around civil defence, um, obviously through COVID, through these different um, one-off events that come through, making sure I'm basically taking the lessons that we're learning from that and being able to um, see where we can strengthen those in those different, and again, as a cross-government, not just in the ministry. Um, obviously for me, Pacific languages, hugely important. I'm, my first language is Samoan. But I lost that because what happened was my father, we had family come over from Samoa and my cousins were getting really frustrated at not being able to speak English. So my father at the time said to us, you're only to speak English and that is to teach my cousins how to speak English. Um, but obviously the, the flow on impacts of that is I can understand Samoan fully but I can't converse it fluently. Um, Give me, give me time with my family for over a month and then it might get better. Or, you know, give me time in Samoa, it might get better. But for me, Pacific languages, more and more often being a first-generation New Zealand-born Samoan, that is, an, um, that is coming up for a lot of people my age. 
So being able to support the Pacific Languages Strategy as well as through the education system, because again, the lever is with the Ministry of Education, so being able to advocate for those ECE and for those language programmes that are being delivered. So those are kind of the sort of key areas at a high level that I'm still looking at. Four weeks in, I'm you know, very much um, cognisant that um, there is still a lot more to come, but mm. at the moment those are just my top of mind. To sport, if you haven't heard it by now, the Fijian draw pulled off an almighty shock in Super Rugby Pacific, beating the defending champions Crusaders 25 points to 24 in a nail-biter in Lautoka on Saturday. Here's the moment Kemu Valentini lined up a penalty kick with time expired and the game on the line. Flags are up in Lautoka. The Fijian draw in Nautoka. What a game. As you can hear, the wind sparked wild celebrations for the 13,000 fans packed into Churchill Park and many more around Fiji. Rugby writer Jamie Walls says the Ndroa have showed what can happen when Pacific Island rugby is given a chance. He spoke to RNZ's Jane Patterson. What a game. Yeah, fantastic game. Well, not so much if you're a Crusaders fan, but I think that for the good of the game and the good of the competition, this is a really fantastic result. Uh, and like like you just said, it does show what happens when you when you give these teams a chance. And the fact that we're having a disruption-free season and uh, the draw can look forward to having a whole run of home games and plan their season around stability uh, is a re- has been really important and it's showing for them right now. Not only stability, uh, what about the advantage of that home game? And I've seen um, the weather there described as sweaty armpit type weather. Big advantage for the Fijians? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they call it the burning west out there in, uh, in Latoka area. Um, it's not really that much cool, uh, uh, warmer than most other parts of Fiji at this time of year, to be fair. Uh, but it's Going up there right now, especially given that there hasn't really been much of a summer here in New Zealand for New Zealand players, it'd be a real um, climate uh, shock uh, to the system, you know, having to go up there and play in about about 30 degrees and about 100% humidity. And it really showed um, towards the end of that game. Those guys were absolutely covered in sweat. And also not just that, but the the facilities and amenities up there are obviously very different to what you get down here in, in New Zealand. So... Um, they've really shown that uh, any any team that's going to go up there and play the draw is going to have to take it pretty seriously. And uh, the flip side, when Pacific players come to New Zealand, it's much colder. So um, that advantage, obviously, they, they really took advantage of for this win and an exciting game, a dynamic game. Yeah, you're right. It actually, uh, because the last time these two teams played um, was last year in Christchurch on a very cold day towards um, uh, in, uh, late May. Uh, and the Crusaders won 61-3, so it's a pretty big turnaround uh, for the draw to come out and, and get the, get this one. And you're right, it was a, a very dynamic game, um, and it was a, a bit of a clash of styles, really, and the the Crusaders managed to score three tries off line-out drives, um, which is kind of a bit of a fail-safe uh, way of doing things. Um, so it was great to see the draw who scored three really good long-range tries, and through some really good players um, they've got as well, guys that have come mostly through the Australian um, system, guys like Frank Lamani uh, at halfback, Joe Tamani at um, Flanker, who both had huge, huge games. Um, the only thing they need to work on is goal kicking because 
they did miss three really easy conversions, so um, it might have been a little less dramatic uh, had um, had they had a better goal kicker starting the game. And another blow for the Crusaders. Um, and did they really put up the best team that they could field against the draw? No, they certainly didn't. Um, and the, to be fair, this is not entirely their fault. Uh, there, there has been a lot of talk, obviously, recently about the all-black rest and rotation policy um, that's going on. And so they have to manage um, their top players uh, through these. So they were missing their uh, their inside-back combination. And have, not having Richie Moanga on the field makes a real difference to this, this Crusader side. Uh, you know, Fergus Burke is, is a very good player uh, in his own right. But Moanga does have the ability to really kind of turn a game like that on its head when the chips are down. So I think that the season is long enough that they'll be able to bounce back. Uh, you know, it's like I said, it's it's great for the competition. I don't. I think it'd be very, it'd be foolish to write the Crusaders off uh, at this stage. They're still a very good team and and have obviously won the won it seven times in a row uh, and uh, are defending champions. So. Uh, you know, we talk about the home advantage that the that the Drua have. The Crusaders obviously have one as well, even though they have lost a game this year to the Chiefs. But, you know, um, I think perhaps the, the talk around Scott Robertson and his coaching ambitions with the All Blacks is kind of overshadowing their campaign at the moment. Maybe they just need to focus on that. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Fafitai te le lava, manuia le vayansong.